Good afternoon and welcome to Community Focus at JJY. I'm Ken Thomas along with Tess Taylor. And today we are visiting with our friends from Camp Ripley. And Mr. Tony Housie in Public Affairs joins us today as well as special guests, Coast Guard Diving Specialist Chief Warrant Officer Chris Hall and Coast Guard Diver First Class Justin Macy. Gentlemen, welcome back to Community Focus. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Uh, let's... I have to laugh a little when we are talking to divers in the dead cold of sub-zero temperatures in Minnesota, but <laughs> your work never ends, does it, guys? It sure doesn't. So I got to ask, where are you guys from? Uh, let's start with um, Specialist uh, Chief Warrant Officer Chris Hall. Where are you from, Chris? From uh, Portsmouth, Virginia. I brought a team of uh, seven uh, divers out from uh, Virginia to to do some training out here in Minnesota. And then we uh, coordinated with the other lockers from uh, Hawaii and uh, San Diego, California, to come up here as well. <laughs> and uh, diver first class, Justin Macy, where are you from? Originally, I'm from Tampa, Florida, so I think I should probably say go Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> We've been now saying... I'm, uh, now I'm, I'm stationed in Hawaii now. Oh, wow. Again, a long way from this climate. <laughs> Quite a bit. I was uh, I was just mentioning. I think it's about 120 degrees colder here than it than it is than it is in Hawaii, where I'm from. Wow, cold enough for you? We got to say it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's cold enough, eh? Oh yeah, for sure. You betcha. <laughs> All right, and we said go Bucks here too because uh, Joe Hag, one of your offensive linemen, is originally from Brainerd, played high school football right here. So oh, there you go. All right, so uh, let's start out by talking. Uh, you guys are in the Coast Guard. What's the difference between Coast Guard divers and Navy divers? Is it a different deal? So yes and no. Um, the Navy, they have their, their divers that specialize in, in uh, specific skill sets at each one of their lockers or each one of their units. Uh, for the Coast Guard, we don't have, we're not big enough for that, so each one of our lockers has to specialize in, in a majority and multiple uh, different skill sets. Uh, where we focus uh, on whether it's ship's husbandry or uh, cutting, uh, ace navigation, cold water ice diving, and those those kind of things. Um, but yeah, so it, it's it's a similar. We do the same kind of training down in Panama City, Florida. Um, but obviously, when we go back to our our branch of service and to our units, uh, we refine those skills uh, differently than the Navy. Uh, does but we can come together and do the same kind of mission sets because we've had the same kind of training uh, from the get-go all right are you all certified divers then in this unit correct yes okay so when you say certified uh, a lot of people have an idea of civilian certifications uh patty or now we uh we go to second class navy dive school and so our certification is uh is through the military a little bit more intense i'm guessing Oh, quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, Patty's pretty, pretty mainstream. <laughs> so you, you mentioned training. Uh, this original diving school is in Florida, but I'm sure they want you to train in all environments because in the Coast Guard, you could be in any environment, right? Absolutely. So uh, like we mentioned before, uh, I have been diving in Hawaii for the last four years. So a lot of my missions have been in the South Pacific, uh, out into uh, American Samoa and the Kwajalein Atoll. Warm, clear water. It's the best <laughs> diving in the world, quite frankly. Um, but it's, it's also equally important that I uh, be able to uh, transition into uh, the ice, which is kind of a complete opposite sort of situation uh, and, and everything in between those two extremes. Very interesting. 
So talk about your experiences here at Camp Ripley. What are you doing for training here? So we're preparing our uh, divers for um, polar environments, whether it's the Arctic, Antarctic, uh, other, other polar regions uh, throughout the world to be able to exercise uh, whatever mission set that the Coast Guard is requiring of us. Um, and so being up here is a perfect environment for our guys uh, to, to train uh, and to ensure that our gear will act properly. Our, our training has come you know, full circle uh, and, and better prepare our divers to get in the water and, and execute whatever mission that the Coast Guard has for us. So every, every Coast Guard diver has to go through cold water ice diving school, which is a school that the Coast Guard hosts uh, once a year. So every, everybody's been through uh, an initial training. Uh, subsequent to that, I went to Antarctica and uh, had to dive under the ice, uh, oh. penguins and killer whales. It's colder here in Minnesota than it was in Antarctica. <laughs> We're proud of that here. So. <laughs> it was Have you been to Duluth and out in Lake Superior? <laughs> My. That's interesting. Uh, obviously, you were in Antarctica in the summer, though. So that's- yes, that's correct. It was summertime. <laughs> summer. Uh, so, talk about equipment uh, differences. Do you have to uh, use different equipment when you're diving in the cold water versus the tropics? So we use uh, we use similar mechanical equipment. So the tanks and the regulators uh, are, are pretty much the same. One of the, the major differences uh, is the, the diver's dress. So when we're diving in Hawaii, I can be wearing, you know, almost nothing. <laughs> when we're diving here, we're diving with uh, parkas. They're fully encapsulated. They're, they're dry suits. So the diver doesn't even get wet. He's, he's wearing wow. a dry suit. And then uh, there are a couple of configurations to the equipment that we have to make modifications to. Um, and what we found, and one of the primary benefits of, of this training was to see how the equipment reacts, not really in the water, because we know the water is at 36 degrees and, you know, we can find that temperature in different places, but the air temperature being, you know, negative 20, negative 30 degrees, ice freezing on our gear. As soon as we come out of the water, learning those types of lessons was, was extremely valuable for this, uh, this time at Camp Ripley. That's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so those suits keep you pretty decently warm in that 36-degree water? At least dry. <laughs> they, they do. The divers were far more comfortable than the people on, on the surface. <laughs> yeah. I, I would imagine your body heat warms up inside that dry suit, and again, you're, you're fairly comfortable. Yes, yeah, so you wear you wear several layers. You start just just like when you're, you're when you're dressing for the topside environment. You wear kind of a base layer, a wicking layer. Then you wear kind of a woolly, fuzzy layer, and then maybe a, a thicker layer on top of that. And then the final outside layer is the is the layer that keeps the water from coming in. Fingers and toes get cold uh, the quickest, but uh, overall, pretty comfortable. Pretty comfortable. What about the face? I mean, what what's on what what do you have on your heads and your face when you're going down under these waters? So uh, the divers are wearing a what's called a Mark Twenty. It's basically just a a fully enclosed mask. Um, uh, almost like a, a SCBA for like firefighters. It's similar to that, and uh, completely keeps your uh, skin protected, your face protected at, uh, at all times while you're you're going through the dive. Interesting. Yeah, very fascinating. Now, talk about the water clarity in, in specifically. I, I, it must be a lake on the camp 
uh, Ripley uh, facilities. Property, yeah. yeah. What? Uh, how's the water cl- clarity there? Yes, sir. Uh, so it was uh, Lake Fairland we were diving on on Camp Ripley, um, and the water visibility was uh, pretty good. We could see fifteen or twenty feet up until the divers would stir up the bottom. The bottom was uh, interesting because there was a lot of vegetation kind of tall growing vegetation almost like a kelp forest from the bottom all the way up to the top of the ice and so swimming through it was sort of like swimming through a, a, a kelp forest that's the only thing i can compare it to but the visibility was so cool to see kicked our fins and stirred up the bottom yeah how long do you have to stay under on this uh, on a typical training uh segment if you will how long do you stay under so it definitely depends on the training objective. And for this particular mission, we were we were actually quite focused on the topside equipment and a little bit not as much on what the divers were doing. We just wanted to see if we were able to uh, to con- conduct our operation safely in temperatures this cold. Again, like I said, once the divers got in the water, they were quite comfortable. <laughs> Uh, so the dives for this mission, I think, range anywhere between 10 and 20 minutes, something like that. Okay. And how about accessing the water? Is that part of the training, too? Uh, and uh, vis-a-vis cutting a hole in the ice, did you guys have to do that? We did have to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that, that, that's actually one of our our bigger uh, projects prior to getting the water is, is cutting the holes, the safety that's involved with cutting the holes and removing the ice from those holes and then creating what we call a wagging wheel around the ice hole uh, with another emergency hole to be able to uh, allow the divers to escape out of in case they uh, come ex- some kind of problems uh, experienced while they're under the ice. Um, so the topside portion of, of this training is just as big and is, and is just as in-depth and logistically challenging as getting the divers in the water and underneath the ice. I just think that would, like, for me, the, being under ice with one hole or whatever – terrifying i don't know how you guys do it when you first when you first find yourself in that in that situation oh. um there is a moment of of sort of panic you kind of catch your breath a little bit you swim away from that hole and then there's just the silence of the deep water and you look up and there's just solid ice and you realize that kind of for the first time in your career as a diver all of our emergency situations involve getting to the surface and <sighs> you know finding air <laughs> Just and that trapped like, feeling. I can't just go up. I have to. Right. If, if I got disconnected, it would be a bad day. Yeah. Oh, my. And I was going to ask, do you use a tether? And obviously you do. You're saying uh, if yeah. you get disconnected. So you tether yourselves to that particular hole. Yes, sir. That's correct. <sighs> Still couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I admire you guys. That's, oh, my. <laughs> Now, uh, crazy, but thank you. Yeah, do the guys on the surface, uh, besides freezing their toes off, uh, <laughs> do they have a job to do while they're up there? That's a great question, and the answer is yes. Definitely, everybody on the surface has a job. Um, so, as we mentioned, each diver uh, has a tether that they're shackled to, and so on the top side, there has to be a tender who's keeping uh, keeping hands on that tether. Um, we have a communication system, so there's someone that's in charge of talking to the divers. Um, there are there's the diving supervisor who's sort of coordinating the whole uh, evolution. Um, yeah, so everybody on surface has a job. 
And do you rotate those, or do you senior guys get to always go in the warmer environment of the water? <laughs> that opposite. The, uh, the senior people never really get to go in the water. Oh, uh, darn. We're usually the uh, supervisors or the safety observers uh, or just uh, extras in the background as letting the, uh, the younger members uh, take charge and conduct the dives and, and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, it's quite opposite of that, actually. And uh, remind me again, how many guys are part of this training right now? Uh, we had we brought 16 individuals up here uh, for this, and then uh, different units throughout the Coast Guard also came up from the, the dive school, uh, uh, SMTD Dive, uh, which is the uh, Special Missions Training Detachment uh, in Panama City, Florida. They came up with their instructors uh, to observe and uh, possibly look at using Camp Ripley as a future uh, home for the cold water ice diving course. So when do you guys get to happily skip back to warmer climates? <laughs> we're taking off tomorrow. We can see your face. You broke into a big smile, as you said. We're leaving tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I think it's more the excitement to, to get back to a warmer uh, environment. Even though it's only like 40 degrees in Virginia, it's still uh, it's, it's going to be nice to have that, that warmth on our face again. Absolutely. Warm. Gotta love it. I am excited about getting home to see my wife and daughter. Yeah, that's a big part of it, too. Uh, Were any of the guys in this training from a cold weather state? Can I ask that? I think Virginia is. From originally, I know we have have one gentleman on our team is from upstate New York. So he, I think, was the only one that was familiar with negative 40 wind chill. (laughs) You got one. That's good. <laughs> he was the one with the frozen mustache. Yeah. That'll happen. Yeah. Well, uh, the fact is, uh, even these type of conditions, which I might add, we normally don't have this time of the year. It's, this is more typical January weather. But it does provide uh, the extreme training that really is valuable, isn't it? Is it not? Absolutely. We couldn't have asked for a, a more realistic setting. You know, the the Antarctic and the Arctic uh, missions that we conduct, typically we don't see temperatures quite this extreme. And so to, to fully flex the capability and see how both our people and our equipment functioned in an environment this extreme, it was it was invaluable. So we, I think we got lucky with the polar vortex. That's fantastic. That's good. Yeah. I'm going to take Thank off. Thank you for doing it. Yeah, no kidding. I'm going to take off my announcer hat for a moment and uh, put on my Chamber of Commerce hat. Come back and visit us in the summer. It's really nice here, okay? <laughs> I'd love to. If, if I can Beautiful. Just say, our experience, my experience in, in this small little corner of Minnesota has been fantastic. Everybody in town that I've interacted with has just been kind and supportive and friendly and it's it's literally it's been one of the nicest places I've ever been. Well, good. Yeah, and bring your. We're br- known for that. Bring your diving gear in the summer. We have four hundred sixty lakes within a sixty mile radius of Brainerd. Would love to absolutely. Yeah, I like the second one you said as well. I mean, everybody that we've encountered from the stores to uh, the people on base um, have been just absolutely wonderful. Uh, the nicest people that I've probably come in contact in a small town in a long time. And I'd like to give a shout out to uh, Dr. Gregory Hubbard from uh, Falls Court Dentistry. He really <laughs> saved my tooth. I was really bad pain, and he uh, dropped everything to help me out. So I really do appreciate that. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, gentlemen. Uh, thanks for the kind words about the, the area. And have a safe trip, and hopefully you will get a chance to come back and experience a nice, beautiful summer in Minnesota sometime. Thank you very much. Bring your mosquito spray. Yeah, that's... (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, Tony, if you can just jump in for a second, anything we need to know about uh, training for the rest of the winter here? Yeah, uh, we are, um, you know, we're going to continue to see a lot of folks from out of state uh, coming through. We, We even had the Mississippi National Guard come up for some winter training uh, about a week ago, so uh, we'll see some rotations from re- the rest of the country as well. Uh, but we're going to get our uh, first armor brigade combat team loaded up on the rail and shipped off. Uh, they're mobilizing for a deployment here later on in March. My uh, earlier than that, the rest of uh, coming up next weekend, we'll be seeing the chief of the National Guard bureaus uh, biathlon championships hosted here on Camp Ripley, and we do have enough snow. Uh, luckily, so that uh, that'll take place. Uh, started on the seventeenth. Uh, we should be seeing about uh, skiers from about twenty different states coming uh, for that as well. And the good news, it's supposed to warm up by then, Tony. Right? Yeah those those skiers should be sliding pretty fast. So Come on, ten. <laughs> <laughs> Anything above zero is good. Right at that point. Plus. Uh, Other than that, uh, I think it's going to be business as usual for us for a while. Uh, You know, we're starting to get back in the swing of things. um, And once the snow and the ice start to melt, then then we'll be back to uh, some of our normal operations and our normal training. Very good. Tony, we look forward to having you back next month. We'll talk more about some of those training operations as we head for spring. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us today. Truly appreciate your insight uh, and your your discussion about this uh, important training that you do here at Camp Ripley. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks for what you do, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Our guests today include uh, Tony Housie. Mr. Tony Housie is in Camp Ripley Public Affairs Office. We also had with us our Coast Guard Diving Specialist, Chief Warrant Officer Chris Hall, and Coast Guard Diver First Class Justin Macy. I'm Ken Thomas, along with Tess Taylor. That is today's edition of Community Focus. Don't forget our Community Focus programs can be accessed anytime on our website. Go to 1067wjjy.com. You can also find them on our mobile app. That's powered by Cuyuna Regional Medical Center.